Life Happens with Pimelo Motine. Okay, so I said to you, um, an article written by Professor Miller is is suggesting that, you know, just because we are sitting with full dams does not mean that we are secure, we are water secure. And in fact, particularly because there are fuller dams, this is the time to be asking ourselves if if this is not uh, something we should be concerned about, the time when we, we reach, um, you know, where, where, where the water kind of runs dry. We've seen what happened in Cape Town. Um, and was it not too late to deal with Cape Town? And so that's really the argument. The argument is, should we not be worrying about water security, even as the dams are full? Professor Mike Miller is a visiting age, uh, professor at School of Governance at the University of the Witwatersrand. Professor Miller, thanks for your time. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Pamela, to you and your listeners. Thank you so much. You, you, you're raising the point that just because we had good rains in Gauteng recently and the dams are looking sort of full, we shouldn't be complacent. We should still be concerning ourselves with water security. Yeah, yes, indeed. And um, we can always look at what happens in, with the, our electricity suppliers. Well, I don't even want to talk about them because we've just gone into stage four. Yeah. But, you know, if we had worried about the electricity and building power stations properly five and ten years ago, the lights would be on. But because we didn't think about it at the right time, um, we found ourselves in the dark and in the cold. And water is, 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 is different to electricity, but that actually makes it more difficult because people see a full dam and they say, well, we, we're, we're okay, we've got a full dam. But they don't necessarily understand that that full dam might not be enough next time there's a drought. So uh, it's always a good idea to remind people that uh, they need to think about where their water's coming from and what they need to do to make sure that it keeps coming and it's a, a reliably available. Mm. So, so dams, by their nature, have a finite capacity. And, and we don't talk about that, that as they have a finite capacity, we as populations grow. And in fact, I think in South Africa, we, we are seeing urban growth of about 3% per year. And yet we are not seeing that 3% growth in dam capacity. And so it is is anyway, uh, by its very nature, a problem? Well, I think that's exactly right. We always have to look and see what are, what are we going to need? And if the population gets bigger and if the, the economy grows and people can afford uh, to, to use more water in different ways, we'll need more water. But you see, part of the problem is uh, they, when, when we see a full dam, we forget that we're not interested in how much water we've got stored because that's what a dam is. It just stores the water for when we need it. But from that store, you've got to take water. It's, it's the flow of water from the dam. That's actually what we're interested in. And you've got to ask the question, well, okay, that Val Dam, today it's 98% full. Fantastic. But how long can that dam provide the 1,600 uh, uh, thousand tons of water that we need every day in Gauteng and around. Mm -hmm. And then you suddenly start thinking, well, if it's that much water we use every day, maybe it's not enough in that dam. And maybe we have to think uh, either use less or we've got to find out where we can get some more. So, so the capacity that um, the consumption capacity that we've been allocated per person is 300 liters per day. You argue that that's very, very, you know, it exceeds average consumptions globally. Should we be bringing that down? 
Well, uh, talking about uh, Gauteng and the surrounding region, which is all supplied from the Vaal River and various things connected to it, yes, we, the, the, this region uses 300 liters per person per day for all, all its uses. Now, um, that 300 liters can't be increased uh, at, at the moment because there's no, no new supply. And if the population grows, as it is growing quite fast, as you say, um, clearly we've got the same amount of water and now we've got more people. So we, we better reduce how much we use per person or we will find that there's just not enough coming out of those dams. It's not just the Val Dam, it's there's 14 dams in the Val River system, but there will not be enough water in all of those dams to provide everybody with 300 liters per, per person per day like they've been using up to now. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're looking at. How much are we using at the moment? And then how many people are using it? Because if there's more, it's likely we'll need more water to be available. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the reality is that, that that is an average and not everybody in, in Gauteng, for instance, has got access to that water. We've got infrastructure problems that we are not talking about, leakages that are not necessarily water that's wasted by uh, the end user. But along the way, it kind of keeps dripping until it's used up. And what are we going to do about that? Well, and this is the issue. Quite often what we worried about, and I know you're, you're uh, broadcasting from Auckland Park, and I know Auckland Park and Melville and uh, all the areas, uh, uh, Eldos and places behind, were running short of water recently. Um, and that was because of infrastructure problems. And quite rightly, we worry and we must worry a lot about the pipes that bring the water from the dams and the treatment works that bring the water to town and bring it to our houses. Um, and those things need to be maintained and they need to be uh, expanded and, and looked after. But because we're often so worried about that last uh, kilometer of, of pipeline, um, that last pumping station, uh, that last reservoir on the hill above the house, um, we tend to forget that all the water in those pipes, in those reservoirs, has to come from somewhere. Mm. And that comes from Mother Nature. And Mother Nature does not always provide what we want when we want it and tends not to listen if we say, please, can we have some more tomorrow? Mm. You know, it, it won't rain just because you ask nicely, as the people <laughs> in Cape Town discovered. <laughs> professor Mike Muller, I'm going to ask that we take a break. He's a visiting professor at the School of Governance at the University of Witwatersrand. He's asking um, that uh, in an article he's recently penned why it is important for us to worry about water security, even if we are seeing full dams. I'm very happy to take your calls 011-714-2006, weigh in on the subject, or we can also take voice notes on 061. Life happens with Pimelo Motine. So, Pimelo, just to add to the conversation you're having with uh, the professor there, I think his argument is quite um, accurate and it goes, unfortunately, the same goes for electricity as well. We can't even pro produce enough for ourselves. And then we have been told that the whole continent must come and congregate uh, in this country. I mean, that's sheer madness. You know, we are freezing as, as things stand. We don't have electricity. We are sitting in the cold. Our children are getting sick. We bathe them with cold water. And then we are told that the whole continent must come here. That's sheer nonsense. 
Professor Mike Miller is a visiting professor at the School of Governance at the University of Wits. And uh, just as the voice note said, Prof, I mean, this is real. A lot of people are are discovering for themselves that we we really do not have water security in this country. You you know, Pamelo, I I think that last uh, voice note was interesting because if you look at at our region, you know, we complain a lot about uh, foreigners, fellow Africans coming to South Africa one of the reasons that they come here is that there are limited opportunities in their own countries. But, you know, I, I was working in Mozambique and I've work, done work in Lesotho. And what's interesting, as we cooperate more with those countries, for instance, we're just about to start uh, building uh, the additional supplies that we need in Gauteng. The water will only get here in, in five or six or seven years' time. I think 2027, mm. it will come from Lesotho. But, you know, by working uh, and cooperating with Lesotho to get more water, we find that there's more work in Lesotho. There's quite a lot of South Africans going to Lesotho, by the way, to go and do the work. And so we can find that by cooperating on things like water, we can, in fact, uh, both help those countries to have jobs inside the countries, even as they help us to provide water. And it's the same with electricity, by the way. I was working with Mozambique, and they wanted to provide us with 2,000 megawatts of, of hydropower. They've got the big Kabora Basa Dam. They can build another dam that will give us just about as much power. But, you know, people were much more interested. What can we do inside South Africa? What, you know, who's going to get the benefit for that? If we had cooperated more with Mozambique five, ten years ago, they would have more work in their country. They would be selling us things and they'd be buying things from us and we would be better off. So I do think we must talk about cooperating in the region on things like water and electricity, because apart from anything else, that will see the whole region grow, and then we won't have this idea that South Africa is the only place where jobs can be found. And I think it's very important that the water and electricity cooperation can help us to understand those things. That particular project that you're talking about, the phase two of that project, I mean, it's it's nearly a decade delayed. Um, we're nowhere near starting with the tender uh, process of, of getting the process going in this phase two. I mean, as you said, 2027 is likely to be when we will see it eventually come to fruition? Well, at, at the current, if everything goes right, um, you know, the adverts for a tender for people who could come and build the tunnel, not the dam yet, because the, got, the water's got to flow through a very long tunnel before it can get to us, those adverts have only just gone out. It will probably take a year before we can actually award the contract, because these are very, very complicated contracts. These are huge projects. And so, you know, the dam contract will be advertised uh, probably in the next few weeks. And then, you know, slowly, slowly the work will start. Already people are building roads and uh, building power lines and building villages where people can stay when they're busy working there. But it takes a long time. And that's why even as we have a day-to-day problem, whether it's a water shortage in Melville because a pump station burnt out or the uh, power was cut, or you know, uh, whether, whether it's a stage four load shedding, we, we need to always remember, yes, we have to fix today's problems, but the best way to fix is to worry about it five and 10 years before the problem happens. And then funnily enough, we don't have problems. You've got to worry about it at the right time. And sometimes we don't do that.
Professor Miller, you, you, you state on your article that to cope with supply restrictions, municipalities face difficult choices and most are trying to reduce their non-revenue water and some are delaying new house and industrial developments. Others are cutting supply to selected suburbs for days at a time when they reach their allocated limited allocation. And they don't tell us this is the reason the water has been cut off. Yes, I do think, and this is why I'm always, you know, I, I sometimes talk too much about these issues, but I really do think we are entitled as citizens, you know, of our, our cities and of our country to know what is happening. And certainly, if you ask Grand Waters Chief Executive Sipo Musai will tell you, yes, we can only take such so much water from the Val River, and if our municipalities want to use more than that, we're going to have to ration them. But, but you know, I, I, I would like us to see how much water is allocated to each municipality, how much they use each month, because then, you know, as citizens, you and I, we can talk on the radio, we can talk in the taxi, we can ask questions. Why are we using more than we should do? Oh, look, there's a leak in the road. Or look, there's somebody washing their driveway with a hose pipe. You know, we can then begin to respond to those issues. But, but, but if we just if we're not told about the uh, the fact that water is going to become scarcer and scarcer over the next four or five years, then everyone just takes it for granted and carries on as before. If, so I do think we need to talk about it, and that's why I'm very pleased to be invited to your kind of program. Let's talk about it and let's ask our municipalities and our organizations like Randwater tell us how much do we have and how much are we currently using oh dear what should we if, do about it if if it is that sometimes when when they the, we don't have water running in our taps it is that has been a deliberate attempt by municipalities to withhold this water i i don't ever remember in Gauteng being told that actually well maybe a while ago that actually the water has been cut off because we have exceeded our 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 consumption you know, there was, I, th I think it was probably around 2016 yes, during yeah. the drought yeah, yeah. when, uh, when, those, uh, yes. when it, it was so obvious that yes. people had to talk about it. And, but that's exactly the, the trouble. When things are really tough, we start talking about it. But by not talking about it now, we're creating the conditions in which it will be really tough. And, you know, the difference between electricity and water, you know, if, if uh, Andre Dreta and all his colleagues at ESCOM magically get the power stations working and they all work properly, tomorrow we won't have load shedding. But if the dams are empty, you know, there's nothing that a minister or, uh, you know, a director general or clever engineers like myself and all my colleagues, we can't do anything to fill that dam. All we can do is wait for it to rain, as Cape Town discovered, and that can take a year or two years before everything gets back to normal. Right. So unlike electricity, think now, act now, because when that dam is empty, it's far too late to do anything urgent except really restrict your use. And we want to try and avoid ending up like Cape Town where everybody was washing in a bucket. Even, you know, rich and poor alike, we're all having to wash in buckets. Probably a good thing for some of the people just to remember how valuable water is, but they should have thought about it before, the, before it happened. Uh, Prophet, let me just take a quick call from Colin in Cape Town. Colin, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Pamela, and good afternoon to your guest. Hi. Do you know, I've, I've got a well point. 
I got so used to when we were running short in Cape Town of water, fill up my system with my well point water. Do you know, I still do it. Mm. I, it became such a habit. I still use, I've got uh, five liter uh, uh, bottles and I fill up my system. Anyway, what I wanted to talk about, it reminds me of some time back when I was at work, still I'm retired now. Some guys were working, I worked for Transnet. They were working out in the open, of course, so I came out to have a cigarette out of my office there, and I saw these guys working there. And you know, the tap was actually not closed properly. It was running, running. Then they go use it uh, with cement and things like that. And I walked over, I said, hey, close, close these taps, man. And you know what the guy said to me, a laborer said to me, oh, but I always got a lot of water. Now, that's not a child, it's an educated man earning a salary, working for about 10 years on the, on the railways. For him to tell me Transnet's got a lot of water, so I explained to him, no, Transnet hasn't got water, the water comes from the sky, from the heavens. And <laughs> if it doesn't come, we haven't got water. <laughs> and he just walked away, and I went to close the tap. What we need is docu uh, documentaries on our television. About to what? educate people. A 15-minute documentary, how to look after water, how to report leaks, and so and so. And our municipalities need to wake up also. When you phone in, a pipe's burst, they come out two, three, four hours later. Those people must also get their heads together. Colin, let me go. I've got to go. I've got to go because it's time for the much. headlines. Colin Bye. in Cape Town. I'll come back with a response and also with a, a response from Professor Mike Miller. Uh, it is now 1.30. Let me go to Leander Maume for the latest in headlines. Life Happens with Pinelo Modine. I'm in conversation with Professor Mike Miller, a visiting professor at the School of Governance at the University of the Witwatersrand, and we're discussing uh, water security in this country. Um, Prof, the call that came in, Colin from Cape Town, talking about we need um, educational material for people to to understand how scarce water is. I, I, I'm not sure about that because I think that there are a lot of South Africans that actually understand what it is like not to have water. Um, the assumption that people don't know how to preserve water, I think, I think is not necessarily quite true. I think we do have municipality problems, but I think we, we're not honest about the fact that there are a lot of people actually who go a long way in trying to preserve water because it's just not there. I, I, I think you're right. You know, we, we must always be careful about not just talking about water problems as though they're problems in the cities. And, you know, the, the, the big dams are usually what we depend on in the cities. But let's go up to Limpopo and consider what's happening in Sekakuni, um, where, you know, there are uh, hundreds of thousands of people who don't have reliable water. And when they look down the hill, they see this wonderful big dam at Duhuat. Which it's a, is a hundred full. It's right here in the middle of Dipslut, which is in this in the city. You know, so it's not far. The, the water insecurity is not a far fetched idea. In Johannesburg, there are a lot of people in the city with no water. Well, as I say, I, I, I'm, I'm concerned about places like uh, Limpopo, where people can see a big dam and then they ask, "Why aren't we getting water?" Mm. And uh, the answer is. The dam was built to make sure that there's water mm. available. Mm. But if your municipality doesn't put in place mm. the pipelines and the treatment plants and, and the pumping stations, and if you then, when you get water, don't use it carefully, you'll carry on with, with dry taps. And so, of course, we need the municipalities to work properly. And I remember very well, as a, 
maybe 15 years ago, Johannesburg Water used to have a target that if you phoned them up and said, I've got a problem, there's a leak in the road, they would try and fix it within six hours. And quite often they managed to. Nowadays, you're lucky if it's six days. Um, and we need to ask the question, what's changed? Why could you do it you know, 10 or 15 years ago, but now you can't do it? Uh, and, and that becomes a real challenge. So, you know, Colin's got a point. Uh, there are people who, who just don't care about water, but I think there's a lot of people who care about water but find that there's very little that they manage to do successfully partly because it appears that our municipalities aren't always listening very carefully to, you know, when they get told that there's a problem. Yeah. Odai is calling from Midrand. Good afternoon, Odai. Thanks for your patience. Hi. Hi, thanks, Pamela. And thanks for, I'm delighted that you have Professor Mike Muller on your show. Mm. I just wanted to reiterate what the previous caller has just uh, said. I am in agreement with Professor Mike Muller that the water conversation or debate cannot fully take place when people are not aware of where the tap water is coming from and that our water resources are finite and what most of the people that I've interacted with, I'm a young water professional, I'm struggling to get it across to them that water is finite. We already dealt with that card that South Africa is in a semi-arid country mm-hmm. that gets about half of the world's average rainfall. So if the end user is not conscious about their water usage, with the increasing population, with the population increasing, our pool of water is shrinking and our water consumption has stayed the same. So how do we change this cultural, uh, our water consumption behavior so we can at least try help uh, the people who are supplying us with water, that everybody can get a, a fair share of water? How, how do we change the consumption behavior? Uh, Odai is calling from Midrand. Let me go to Budana as well, who's calling from the road. Hi, Budana. Hi, good afternoon, my sister. Hi, go ahead. Well, there's, there's another water that is wasted underground water, contaminated by the mine, mining industry. Mm. And we've been, we've been concerned, of course, mm. as residents mm. for the past decade about the problem of water. But this industry, they ignore our complaints. They'll gather there. What is happening there? That mm. project is infected by crooks, mm. even in the photo. Go to the, uh, the, 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 the department that is responsible for this, this water. It's infected with crooks. Mm. What more should we do as residents? I mean, how can it be blamed that we have to take care of water mm. and crooks are running amok? Mm. Mm. But Dana, they in- coming with proper programs. Budana on the road, and you see, this is it, Prof. Prof. Miller, where where you you insist that ordinary citizens who do their best to to look after their 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 consumption of water are faced with when they look across the road, not only a dam that doesn't reach them, but are also faced with industry that in itself. Um, is not looking after our water. Municipalities not looking after our water. It's it's tough to send that message across. It it, it is it is very tough and it's very necessary. And I think what we found in Cape Town, for instance, was that the, you need a combination of these things. In Cape Town, they had some very good rainy seasons, 2011, 2012, 2013. 
And there was a discussion, do we need to build more dams? And they said, no, no, we'll just persuade people to use water a little bit more carefully and we won't have a problem. Because they weren't thinking about what will happen if there's a drought. And the, 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 they want to focus on just talking to people to get water used more sensibly. Well, you know, they, they regret that now. They, they admit that they should have both built the dams at the same time saying to people, if you use water more carefully, we can perhaps uh, build smaller dams. We don't have to spend so much money. In Lesotho, for instance, we could have delayed for another uh, few years and we would have saved hundreds, if not thousands of millions of rand. And by getting together the people who actually use the water, you and I, and the people who plan for the next 10 years, we can do a better job. But this does mean that we have to keep running these conversations. And as Bhutana says, the conversation has to happen both ways. He gets cross when he mm. sees polluted water. Mm. He doesn't know who to talk to. Mm. Well, that's not good enough. He must know who he should go and talk to. And he should have the confidence that when he talks to them and said, I saw that mine discharging dirty water into the river, um, he should be sure that someone's going to come and have a look. So we have to have good big governments. And we have to have really active people, you know, what we were talking about a couple of years ago, active citizens on the ground. Mm. But neither of those things will work well unless they work together. And we need to build this cooperation and discussion and mutual understanding of who does what. We need to build this into our society. It's a long, hard job. Yeah, I mean, again, to Budana's point, I think a lot of communities, to their credit, have actually been screaming about the fact that there there are mining companies, for instance, that are uh, polluting water as well as air and other things and, and so on. They have been trying to engage government. The problem here comes where people are where Budana is. He, he is annoyed because nobody's listening and clearly also can see corruption because as somebody who's been interested, has followed the story. Yeah, you know, we obviously we, we do depend on having a good. Uh, we do depend on having good government in place if we're going to be effective, and um, we're not always clear that we have that. Those are the big problems, and what we know we need to do about those is to uh, talk and try and understand. Um, you know, what the political issues are and who we can trust. Mm. Let me go to Aisha in Your Uppington. Good afternoon. Aisha's oh, put wait. us on hold. All right. Let me take a voice note. All right. We don't have one yet. And uh, I'm not sure if Aisha has so come back to us. Aisha, good afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> um, Hello. Hello. Go ahead, Aisha. I like to the professor. Prof, I agree with you on most things. I have a few questions for, for you. The other day, I heard on the radio that, that they said that they couldn't pump water because ESCOM was down. Now, can they not put solar panels on that pump? That's one. Two, um, can they not use the, the, the natural water flowing like, I heard one of the listeners say one day that in the Eastern Cape that they have lots of streams, so why can't the water be directed from there? Three, mm-hmm. the, uh, the counting on the municipalities to put the pipes and the provide water, you can see that they don't deliver on anything, so that is a pipe dream. 
Don't you think that the National Department of, of Water should take over that responsibility? And my last question is, how long will it take to get piped water to every single citizen in this country, regardless of where they reside? Mm. Thank you. Thanks, Aisha. Professor Miller? Yeah, you know, that sounds like a set of examination questions. Let me try. <laughs> for, for 10 marks. <laughs> for, yeah, 10 marks. I'll try and get at least 8 out of 10. <laughs> so first of all, Ayesha, um, if you knew how big those pumps were that uh, whose electricity was cut off, uh, you'd have to cover most of Johannesburg with solar panels to get enough electricity to, to get them to work. And unfortunately, they would then stop working at night. We really do have to be careful about imagining that renewable energy solar panels can do a lot of this electricity work that we need. And that includes water. Water uses quite a lot of energy, and we've got to use it carefully. And that comes back to this story that you asked, your second question. There's lots of water in the streams in the Eastern Cape. Yes, and despite that, even the people living near those streams very often don't have clean piped water. And so, you know, don't let's talk about taking their water from them before they get water, mm. you know, where they live. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that people in the Eastern Cape and mm-hmm. KwaZulu-Natal get quite cross mm-hmm. when they hear about water being taken from their areas to the cities and they have to see the pipes running past their houses and they can't get it themselves. So, you know, when are, when are we going to, uh, I like the idea of a pipe dream, a dream that there's a pipe to every house. I'm not so worried about having a pipe to every house because there's lots of contractors who would like to build those. What worries me is, will we be able to keep the water flowing in those pipes? And that's a much bigger challenge. So I don't think that giving it to a national government is necessarily going to help. We've seen national government do some things very successfully, big things like building a Duhuop dam in Limpopo so that the Sekakuni people, when they get their act together, can pump the water up the hill and then distribute it. But we've also seen national governments, and, you know, let's talk about electricity, so I don't want to upset my water friends. We've seen national governments make some huge mistakes that are switching our lights off even as we talk. So I think local institutions are good. Whether they should be municipalities or whether we should have special water uh, utility organizations, that's a big question. And, Pamela, uh, uh, that's one of the mm. things that people are talking about. Mm. Should we actually have more specialized organizations to run water at a local government level? Mm. They might do a better job than having to worry about all the things that municipalities have to worry about, and they could perhaps employ and re- retain some of the the skilled people who are sitting at the moment at home just wishing they were allowed to get on and help with the job. Let's go to Tabo in Tabanchu. Hi, Tabo. Hi, Pimelo. Look, uh, I think the prof is making very important points, but I mean, I come from Tabanchu and we see on a daily basis water running on the road, mm-hmm. broken pipes, mm-hmm. and that's huge volumes of water. Mm-hmm. And until the municipality does something about it, it doesn't matter how much water we get from Lesotho mm-hmm. or anywhere we get the water. If there is no maintenance and proper management of the resources that we have, I'm afraid we will not be able to solve the water security problem. But another point I wanted to make is, I mean, you, you don't have to go very far. Just here in Malutia, in Kwakwa, mm-hmm. 
People then have water for many years, yet the water comes just across the mountain from Lesotho, but this water gets pumped to Joburg, Pretoria, and those places. Yet the people who need the water the most are not getting water. Mm-hmm. But the last point also I want to make is about energy security. I mean, we've got vast tracts of land, and there is biogas that could be made from this uh, biomass and animal waste. And in fact, if you go to Pretoria East in Broncos Plate, you do get a renewable energy plant that is using biogas to make uh, renewable energy. So I can go on and on and on, but it's about proper management and maintenance. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Tabo. Your comment uh, on that, uh, Professor Muller? Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the problems of places like Kwakwa and uh, and, and uh, Tabanshu, uh, it really is a question of management. I think it's really un- unfortunate that we have a situation where there's big pipes and big projects running past them and some not stopping in them, as it were. Mm. But I remember, you know, from some time ago, there was a, a, a dam, the Fikapatsu Dam near Kwakwa, when we looked at how much water it could provide, we realized that it actually could provide for you know hundreds of thousands of people. But it will only provide that if we supply it efficiently, so don't allow it to leak and run all over the roads. And also if we say to people, look, we will give you a certain amount of water very cheaply or even for indigent families if it's even for free, but that doesn't mean you can use as much as you want. And one of the discussions that we have to have, Pamelo, is how much water can we get to the different parts and the different people in the country and keep it running? Because I, I do know that, for instance, in Sekakuni, the mayor has said, we're going to put a pipe to everybody's house. And it's a wonderful idea, but unless you control how much water is used, and I know this from walking around some of those areas. If you've got a pipe with water in it, you'll water your garden. You'll have a little bit of green lawn in front of your house, which is wonderful. But you'll be using more water than that system can provide. And your neighbors, well, the next village down the road, won't have water because of how much you've used. So we also have to get this consciousness that what we use here in our house, um, and perhaps it's free or we're lucky we've got enough, if we take too much of it, and pr- probably we don't pay for it, because probably 60% of, of South Africans don't pay anything for water, then we mustn't be surprised if there's not enough. And I think that difficult discussion about how much can we give for free to poor people, how much can we make a, a, a available to people who pay for it, we are a bit scared of that uh, question, particularly when we come up to local government elections. Mm. So, um, you know, politics also comes into the water supply business, mm-hmm. I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. My technician friends always would like to say, can we just get the politicians out of it mm-hmm. and let us get on with the job? Mm. But the politicians have to take decisions. What should we do? How should it be mm-hmm. paid for? And who's responsible for doing it? Mm-hmm. Sabelo, you're calling. You're on the road as well. Good afternoon, Sabelo. Sabelo, you're calling us on the road. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for your patience. I'm, I'm good. I uh, just want to comment on water as well. I uh, just want to ask you, Professor, uh, Professor, how many rivers do we have here in South Africa which never run dry? And why don't you reserve those rivers and, and distribute to our public so they can, enough, they can have enough water? Uh, that's what I wanted to add. All right. Uh, Professor Miller? 
Yeah, you know, it's a, it's, a good, it's a good question to ask. How much water do we have? And, you know, on average, I can tell you we have 50 a million cubic meters of water or 50 cubic uh, kilometers of water that runs through our rivers. But a lot of our rivers are what we call, and they actually called this in many places, sand rivers. You know, there's a river when it rains in the, in the, in the wintertime up here in the Highfelt, it's completely dry. And so we always have to remember that our rivers don't run constantly all the year round. Now, we only use about 30 or 35% of that water in, in those rivers. But because it's variable and because it's often not in the right place, we have to store it for the dry season and then we have to transport it to where it can be used. And all of that costs money and it requires careful planning and careful management. So, uh, you know, the National Department of Water and Sanitation uh, is supposed to tell us every five years how much water is in our rivers, uh, how much is being used and who it's being used by. But that's a big job and they're not always managing to do it. I know they're a couple of years late at the moment on reporting on their national water resource strategy, which is answering exactly uh, Sabella's question, how much water do we have and why don't we use it uh, more effectively? All right. Sabella, is, does that satisfy you, Sabella? Yes, thank you, Pamela. All right, thank you very much. Let's go to some voice note, Prof. As I said, I'll take some voice notes as well, 0614-104-107, and we'll continue to also take those calls on 011-714-2006. In a short while, I'll do that. Prof, you, you mentioned the issue of politics. And I want us to highlight politics there for a little bit. Um, if politics stands in the way of our water security, uh, it then sort of makes everything complicated because we spoke about how we can be part of a solution together. But once politics gets in the way, what then is the solution there? Well, you know, I don't think we should ever say that politics gets in the way. What, rather, we should understand what politics should be doing, because sometimes I think that politicians believe that they are responsible for absolutely everything, that they must decide, you know, uh, the last color of the coat of paint that gets put onto <laughs> that RDP house. And really, that's not their job, because they're probably not very good painters, and they probably don't know about paint quality. <laughs> if you look on our roads, you'll see lots of roads which used to have white lines, but they bought the wrong paint. And you probably find that a politician told them which paint to buy, but they got it wrong. So the job of the politicians is to tell us what we can afford as a country and uh, what we're going to try and provide. The next job is to appoint qualified people who can get on and do the job and give them the support they need. And sometimes they'll come and they'll say, oh, we don't have enough budget for that. Or, the, <clears throat> or they'll say there's a fight about who should do what, um, you know, whether this should be done by the municipality or should be done by a water board. And those decisions, which are essentially political decisions about where the money comes from and where it goes to, and uh, who should do which particular job, those kind of things politicians should get involved in. But really their job is to make sure that there are strong organizations that are given support, and when there's arguments, the politicians must step in and uh, help, help to resolve them. And we should probably not have so many politicians trying to decide which dam should be built next, 
or uh, which, you know, which, which, which uh, source should be uh, used to supply a city. Because when they start doing that, you find that they're being encouraged and lobbied by people who've got different interests, who are not so much worried about providing water, but are perhaps more interested in getting uh, contracts. So I think we need to say to politicians, please do the political job of you know, balancing out the policies and the interests and the resources, but then concentrate on building the organizations that can do the job for us. And sometimes that, I think, tends to get forgotten. If a municipality doesn't work, it may well be because the politician hasn't concentrated enough on getting, it, getting the right people into it, and they've rather tried to run it by themselves. And I, you know, I can get into trouble for saying those sort of things, but I'm out of government, now I'm safe. Um, I do think we have to ask the question, what is the job of the politician and what are the jobs of the managers and the technicians who are su- supposed to try and do the job? I know you've got to leave, Professor Mike. I have to, yes. He is a visiting professor of the School of Governance at WITS. And uh, we'll make uh, that particular article available on our social media platforms. We'll also make this conversation as a podcast. But I did say I'll take some of your voice notes. Let's do that now on 0614-104-107. Greetings and also greetings uh, to to the professor. And uh, I think we, we, we must be taught about water because once we see water running to the sea, we see, no, we got water. We can see the, uh, water running, uh, getting into the sea. Now we take it for granted, just taking like that. Uh, but uh, we must be taught about water. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, from hey Pamelo, Neil from Cape Town. Yeah, it's all good and well that we're giving water to these uh, people that don't have water and to ensure that there's pipelines to um, the water system. But the other thing is we need to also ensure that these pipes don't get stolen or they put copper pipes on and then they steal the copper pipes. This is also a huge concern. Hi Pumele. Um, the Lesotho Island Dams 1 and 2 would be easing the pressure on the Free State and um, Gauteng uh, because the water can be released down the slopes and into into the water downhill. If the DRC wasn't at war, then the Inga Hydro Dam project would have powered the entire South Africa, but unfortunately that is not possible.